You don't have to go back too far to remember that when you wanted to listen to music, you had to lug the albums with you. Or when you wanted to read, pack up the books. Or find out where you were going, bring the map. Now our smartphones can do all this, and sometimes even a phone call. That device was a game changer. But there's a game-changing event that will change your life more than that little gadget in your pocket ever could. And so here you have this life-altering, life-changing, game-changing event that takes place at the cross. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. Those smartphones are pretty cool, but you'd be disappointed if all you had was the prototype and couldn't do everything it was supposed to. It's only a shadow of what's to come. And today, Robert Quintana explains that God's law and sacrifice are only just shadows of the greatest game-changing event in history. Find out what that is and his message, Game Changer. What comes to mind when you think of the word game changer? Maybe you think of an athlete or maybe you think of a politician or maybe you think of someone in your own life. When you think of the word game changer, what comes to mind? When I asked myself that question earlier this week, The name that came to mind was Perry, the fridge, the refrigerator. Do you remember him? He played for uh, the Chicago Bears. He was a game changer, right? Because you knew that when he came into the game, he was going to run over however many bodies they put in front of him, and he was going to score a touchdown. He was a game changer. You know, when we think of the word game changer, um, sometimes we might think of, um, I didn't grow up in a home playing cards, but if you played cards growing up, maybe you think of cards as being a game changer. You know, in Rook or in Uno or Old Maid, you know, whatever the card game might be, if you get that one card, if you draw, if you get that draw four in Uno, that's a game changer. I mean, if you get the ace of spade, that could be a game changer. If you get the old maid, well, that might be a game changer. I want to share with you today about an event that changed the way we do things forevermore. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read about a game changer. We're going to Look at a game-changing event, Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version today, and it says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. And so here Paul is writing this letter to a group of individuals who came out of Judaism into Christianity. And somewhere along the line, they start thinking, well, maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe we need to go back to the way that we were doing things. 
And so one thing is clear that the book of Hebrews is outlining reasons why this is a bad idea. It's outlining a argument as to why it is a good idea to stay on this road following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. And so you'll read one of the arguments that's made is that Jesus is better than Moses because Jesus created Moses. Another argument that you'll read about is that Jesus is better than the Aaronic priesthood. The, the priesthood of Aaron, it's better than all of that. Why? Because Jesus is the high priest. He is now the mediator. He is the one that we have access to the throne of God because of him. And so he's making this argument that Jesus is better in every possible way. And so now he's making another argument that Jesus is better than the law. Now let's read that verse again. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. For the law having a shadow of the good things to come. And so here you have the law of the Old Testament. The laws that revolved around the sacrificial system. The tabernacle, the sanctuary, you know, the the holy place and the most holy place. All of the laws that you're reading in Leviticus about about bringing a, a burnt offering, a lamb offering. All of those laws, he says, listen, I am telling you that Jesus is better than all of that. And the reason why he gives is because those laws that you find in the Old Testament are only but a shadow of what's to come. In other words, what you see in the Old Testament is only there to try and paint a picture of what is going to come, of what will be fulfilled in Christ Jesus. It is only a shadow of what's to come. Let me see if I can explain it this way. Uh, you might understand it a little bit better if I pull out some of the plans that I grabbed from the archives room upstairs. There's probably someone on the building committee that isn't happy that I have these. I want to show you some of the plans. Can you see the blueprints of, of our church, right? So, so these were drawn up way before this building was erected. And if you go through these, you're going to find, you know, plans, uh, drawings, one after the other, detailing what this facility was going to look like. But you see, this is only a shadow of what's to come, right? It would be silly of us to stay here. It would, it would, it would be nonsense for us to just say, hey, listen, we love these plans. We're going to live with these plans. This is all we need. All we need is a two-dimensional rendition of this facility. And that's what these individuals were now threatening to do. And Paul says, no, wait a second, time out. You don't want to go back to that two-dimensional drawing that was outlined in the, in the Old Testament. You need to understand that in Christ, we have a three-dimensional building. It is the fruition of the promise that was outlined in the Old Testament. And so he says it is only a shadow of the things to come. It is only a sketch. It is only an outline of what is to come. Now, you, in the amazing grace and mercy of God, just, just picture this. Here you have God who steps into the Old Testament time and he says to, to the people there, he says, I want you to understand in great detail the plan of salvation. 
And so in great detail, he goes and he explains to them in the sanctuary service, in the tabernacle system, in the laws of the Old Testament, he goes and explains to them the plan of salvation. You might remember in the words of Jesus, he says, I have not come to destroy the law and the prophets. No, I have not come to destroy that. I have come to what? Fulfill it. And so here God says, I want to paint for you a picture of what the plan of salvation is going to look like. So much detail, by the way, that I want to read to you a verse just a few pages back found in 2 Timothy. You can turn there with me if you'd like. 2 Timothy chapter 3. A a, a plan that he's described in so much detail in the Old Testament that when Paul was writing a letter to Timothy, he says this to Timothy. He says here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting with verse 14, he says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Listen to verse 15 now. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, let me ask you a profound question. When Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, what holy scriptures did they have available to them at the time? It was the Old Testament. It was the Pentateuch. It was the minor prophets, the major prophets. It was the, the books of, of, of poets and, and songs. It was the Old Testament that they had available to them. And here Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, make no mistake about it, that in the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, as you study and as you review the Holy Scriptures, it will show you the plan of salvation. It will make you wise unto salvation. And it goes as far as to say that that salvation, that plan of salvation comes through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, he says in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. And so he's driving home this point that this two-dimensional rendition that you have of the plan of salvation, as good as it is, because it paints a picture of the plan of salvation, it points you to the cross, that in of itself will not save you. That in of itself is not good enough because that is only a shadow of what's coming. That is only pointing to what's coming. And then he goes on to explain what is coming here in verse 5. It says, therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body who have prepared for me. In burnt offering and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Verse 8, previously saying now, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings, offerings for sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them. 
All right? It, it was only pointing toward. It was only a, a, a shadow of what was to come. You didn't take pleasure in those things which are offering according to the law. Verse 9, then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And so he says, listen, you do not want to go back to that. You need to understand that everything that was taking place in the Old Testament, God was using to help paint a picture of the plan of salvation. And we have now seen the fulfillment of that promise that was given to everyone in the Old Testament in Jesus Christ. It is the fulfillment of the promise that we see. It is a game changer. From here on out, things will never, ever be the same because we do not need to sacrifice. We do not need to go before the altar with bulls and goats. No. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, has died for our sins once for all. It is a game changer. And so he's making this argument to them. Why do you want to go back? Why do you want to go back to the drawings when we have the facility, when we have the building? Let me make a side note here that some of you are going to find very, very interesting. You might remember Moses and Elijah appearing to Jesus right before the cross on the Mount of Transfiguration. You can read that story in Matthew chapter 17. Now, what's interesting about that whole interchange between Moses, Elijah, and Jesus is that Jesus had not died yet. And so how in the world could Moses and Elijah be there? I mean, that's pretty incredible if you ask me. Now think about this. Moses had died, had experienced death, and had been resurrected. Elijah had been taken up to heaven without having seen death. Each of them representing what we will go through. And there they stood before Jesus on the promise that Jesus would go through with his sacrifice. Let me try and explain it this way. If you were there and you can hear the conversation, it might have sounded a little something like this. Moses to Jesus. Jesus, you have to go through with this sacrifice. The only reason why I am here right now is because you have promised that you are going to die for my sins. Why do we know that? Because we just read how the sacrifices of the Old Testament did not lead someone to salvation. It did not lead to perfection. It was only pointing to what would eventually be the fulfillment of the prophecy of salvation for all of us. And so the conversation might have sounded a little something like this. Elijah saying to Jesus, the only reason why I'm here as a first fruit is contingent on whether or not you follow through with the promise that you made to us in the Old Testament. If you don't die for our sins, guess what, Jesus? I'm going to have to pay for the penalty of my sin with my own life. And so you always hear about Moses and Elijah, you know, meeting with Jesus to encourage him to go through with the promise that adds a whole new meaning to the conversation that was taking place that day on that mountain. 
As Moses and Elijah said to him, Jesus, we're here only because you promised that you would die for our sins. If you do not follow through, if you do not go with this, then our existence comes to an end. And so here you have this life-altering, life-changing, game-changing event that takes place at the cross. It was only a 2D uh, rendition, a two-dimensional. It was outlining the plan of salvation. And now in Christ, we see the fulfillment of the promise to save mankind. And Paul says, why do you want to go back to that? When we have the real deal right here, when we have the fulfillment of the promise of man's salvation right here. You don't want to go back. You want to keep on going forward. You want to strengthen this relationship with Christ. You want to know more about Christ. You want to follow in his steps even more fervently because of what he has done for us. Now, this theologically is pretty cool. Like you can think, wow, you know, uh, the pastor mentioned some neat things. I'm going to have to go back study, but, but that's kind of a neat concept. You know, that the Bible points out it was only a picture, a shadow of what was to come. So theologically, that's pretty cool. Spiritually, you might think, man, that's awesome. That's powerful. And, and this spiritual high might last for a few days, maybe a few hours as you walk out of here thinking, you know what? That's awesome that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. It was a game changing event because now I don't need to go to bulls and goats. I don't need to sacrifice. I just need to go to to Christ and surrender my life to him. And because of his sacrifice, I am justified. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I am sanctified. And you might feel good about that for the next few hours, but that's not good enough for me. You see, because I always like to answer the question, what difference does it make? I mean, really, what difference does it make? When I go back to work or back to school Monday morning, how is this going to change my life? Uh, Understanding what Christ has done for me, how is it going to change my life? Uh, What difference does it make? You see, because what, what strikes me about this story is that here we are, in the Old Testament, and, and God outlines this plan of salvation in detail so that everyone understands how it's going to go down, how it is that God plans to save mankind. And for centuries, they practiced this. For centuries, they taught this. For centuries, they reviewed it. And, and it got to the point where it was just something they did because it's something that grandpa did. It's something that, that, you know, dad did. And so it's just something that we do. It's just, it's just part of our culture. And, and little by little, it just kind of, it, it began to lose its meaning, didn't it? And little by little, they were just kind of going through the motions and they, they lost sight of the plan of salvation. And so much so that by the time Jesus arrived here on earth, There was only but a handful of people who understood what Jesus was here to do. You can look at John the Baptist. When he saw Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You might look at Simeon, who when he held Jesus, he said, now I can rest in peace because I've seen the salvation of mankind. So you have a handful of people I mean, not even 
who understood the plan of salvation when Christ arrived here on earth. Not even the disciples. You can argue that not even Mary understood. I mean, it wasn't until after the cross that the pieces started to fall into place and things started to make sense for them. I mean, it wasn't until after the cross that you have the incident of the road on Emmaus where, where they're understanding the scriptures and things are coming to life and, and the disciples are now starting to put things together and say, whoa, whoa, wait a second, time out. You know, the, the plan that was, that was outlined in the Old Testament and in Isaiah about the suffering Savior and about the Lamb being sacrificed. I see that now in Christ. And so right after the cross, they're starting to put all the pieces together, understanding the game-changing event that took place at the cross with the ultimate game-changer, Jesus Christ. Why is this important for us today? Why is this important for us moving and leaving out of this place as we move back into our communities and into the workplace and into, the, and into our schools? Why is this important? And as I was studying this out this week, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, it it hit me and I went, whoa, 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 wait a second. Whoa, we can learn from this, can we not? Because I'd like to suggest to you that there's another game-changing event that's on the horizon. I want to suggest to you that this game-changer, Jesus Christ, has another card he needs to play. You see, because if I was to ask you the question, is the act, is the plan of salvation fully realized today? Think about that question. You might say absolutely because I've given my life to Christ and I have the assurance of salvation. It doesn't matter what happens to me. Today, tomorrow, I am assured of salvation. And if that's where you are, amen, hallelujah. That's where I am. I mean, I I feel the the assurance of salvation. I mean, I I don't know that Jesus, he's made it pretty clear, right? You believe in me, right? But this is, this is, I want to ask you this question. Have you experienced any pain recently? Have you experienced the loss of a loved one recently? Have you dealt with depression in the last several months or maybe years? Have you been affected by pain and sin? Has this planet been affected by natural disasters, by diseases and famines and pestilences? You can make an argument that the plan of salvation, as Christ has outlined for us in Scripture, is not fully complete yet. Why? Because there is still one last game-changing event that's going to take place. What is that? The second coming. His return. And this is what I'm afraid of. What I'm afraid of is that here the plan of salvation was given in the Old Testament. Whoa, awesome. Absolutely. The blood of the lamb will cover us and will cover our sins. And century passed and century passed that by the time Jesus came, the majority, I would argue that almost everyone except a handful of people were asleep and did not recognize and were not ready for that life-changing event that took place at the cross. 
Immediately after the cross, we were able to put the pieces together. We were able to once again understand the plan of salvation and we were able to see the fulfillment of that plan in Christ Jesus and it sparked one of the greatest revolution of our time known to mankind. Christianity just blossomed as the gospel message went everywhere. But now here we are a few centuries down the road and it's going to catch most Christians asleep. Now, I just want to encourage you that as you mull over these ideas and hopefully maybe you're inspired here today a little bit to say, you know what, I've been slacking. I've been paying too much attention to, to the bank account. I've, I've been paying too much attention to, to my Roth IRA, to my investments, to my home. I've been paying too much attention to the troubles of this world. Well, well, wait a second. I need to start focusing on this game-changing event that's on the horizon that is the fulfillment of the plan of salvation for his people. As we leave here today, can we commit and say, God, thank you. For the plan of salvation, it cost him a lot to to roll out this plan for us. And so far, he's fulfilled his part of the bargain here, his part of the covenant. So can we now say, God, as I leave this place, I will be a game changer for you. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org. It's fun to see old beat-up stuff get restored to look like new again. But no matter how old and beat-up your life seems, you too can be restored. We serve a God who wants to restore all of us to that place that we fell from long, long ago. Listen in next week as Robert Quintana begins a four-part series sharing how you can find that and his message, A Perfect Restoration. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.